Christo ha resucitado. Thought I would try the second most common language in America. Today there's an evangelism theme in the readings. As we know, the word evangelism comes from the word gospel, the good news, evangelismos. And that word has two parts, ev, which means good or great, and angelismos, which is the same word that we get angel from, a messenger. An angel is a messenger. So we have good message, or as we commonly say, good news. And the good news is preached. It is spoken to people. We see this in the epistle today in the evangelization of Antioch. Now, Antioch was one of the greatest cities in the empire. It was believed that they had about 250,000 people in that city. Huge city. It covered three square miles with a huge wall around it. It was on the southern, very southern end of Turkey, right along the coast of the Mediterranean. And it was a trade center for people traveling further east and then going into the, the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. So huge, um, very diverse group of people. And what we see is, at the beginning of the epistle, it says, because of the persecution of St. Stephen, the faithful were scattered. So we see even in that, that God is working from an evil thing the martyrdom of Stephen, to bring about good. The people were scared, and so they scattered from Jerusalem so that they wouldn't be persecuted. And they ended up, some of them, in Antioch. And so they brought the good news, the gospel, to Antioch. And they brought it, it says, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. Now, if you recall at this point in the book of Acts, there was very little evangelism to non-Jews. All of the apostles were Jews. Most of his followers were Jews. And we had that brief little story where uh, St. Peter goes and baptizes Cornelius, the centurion. But this was very unusual still in the very early church. And so they came back and they had a big conversation about this and realized that they should be evangelizing to the, to the Gentiles as well. But this was different in Antioch because... They were going to large numbers, as it said in the, the epistle, a great number were converted of the Gentiles, the Greeks. And then later on in the epistle, it says, after Barnabas came, a large company was converted. And so those who were bringing the, the people to the faith, to faith in Christ, they went to Barnabas, to, to Jerusalem, and, and Jerusalem sent Barnabas all the way to Antioch to continue the evangelization. And then even more than that, Barnabas went and got Saul from Tarsus and brought him back. And they did more evangelization for a whole year. And this is why in the, it's uh, understandable why they first began being called Christians in Antioch. Christian means little Christs. They were becoming like Christ. In the gospel today, we also hear this theme of evangelism. And we get to see how Christ himself evangelizes. It's very important for us as little Christs who are evangelizing the world to understand how exactly did Christ evangelize. Christ had the longest recorded conversation in, the, in all of the Gospels was this passage that we just heard. 
the longest conversation that Christ had was recorded, that was recorded, of course, was this. And he goes back and forth with her, says one thing, she says another, he says another thing, she says another. And what is happening is Christ is speaking to her and she is responding. Her heart is opening up. You have to remember, she's a Samaritan and a woman, and she's going to the well that she always goes to, and behold, there's a Jewish man there. And of all things, the Jewish man speaks to her. So she's, she has her guard up. She says right at the beginning, it's not, you're a Jew and you don't speak to Samaritans. Why are you speaking to me? Christ, if he had said right then, I'm the Messiah, what do you think her response would have been? Oh, sure. Yeah, I believe it. Or any number of responses. Or she would have thought he was crazy and ran off. But Christ gently plows the field of her heart. Slowly, these little exchanges, drawing her in. What is this living water? And then telling her something about herself that very few people knew. And so in this way, he slowly draws her in, opens up her heart. In the Vesper service last night, it said, Truly he wished to draw her, who is hunted by the hostile enemy, and to quench her thirst with the waters of life. And so he brought her from darkness into the light. For this reason, her name is, as we know, Fotini, one who is illumined. We are all illumined. When we're baptized, we are called the newly illumined. And so we receive our illumination at baptism. Fotini received it later from the apostles. And she lived a life of witness to Christ and ended up being martyred in Rome. Evangelism fundamentally brings light to a darkened world. This is the good news, the good message of salvation, is that the darkness no longer conquers, that the light has come and the light overcomes the darkness. During the Paschal season, which is a fitting time we have in our metropolis, Mission to America, as it's called this year, which is raising funds for the missions here in the metropolis. And these, these funds then go to help these little mission churches and places all over here in Oregon. We have Roseburg, we have Salem, and all across the metropolis, bringing the light into a darkened world. So it's fitting that in this time of light, of joy, of the resurrection, we're also raising these funds for these missions. The Missions and Evangelism Ministry, um, as many of you know, Tomaida here in our parish is, is the one who runs that. Uh, it was called Come for many years, Committee of Orthodox Missions and Evangelism, Come. And that organization, 20, about 25 years ago, was the starting point for our own parish. Our parish was started by Come. They said, we need to start another parish in the Portland area. I see faces of people who are intimate with that process. And so Come started a mission here in the west side, in Beaverton, 25 years ago. St. John's grown quite a bit from that time, has it not? But that's, that mindset of evangelism has remained with the parish. Our evangelism continues. In fact, today we're at a very important point a pivotal point, if you will, in the evangelism of our parish to Portland's west side. We're at this moment where our parish is deciding to move. 
For those of you who received the email on Friday about a general assembly next week, we will be deciding to purchase a property that will be the new and permanent home of our parish, God willing. So this Sunday, a week from today, is very important in this. Because evangelism isn't just words. Evangelism is the experience of God himself. And that experience of God doesn't just come with words. It does come through the Gospels, through the hymns of the church, but it also comes through entering into God's house, experiencing God's presence in God's house, coming close, drawing near to him through the beauty of the church. So we are taking an evangelistic step, a very important one in these coming weeks and many months. This will be a long process. So be prepared for that. I remember when I first came to St. John, I was assigned to the parish and I, I flew out here to visit for a weekend and I came down Walker Road and I continued on to Meadow Drive. And I said, wait a second, I, th I think the church was there. Where was the church? And I turned around and I drove back, and then I saw the low-flung building with a little wooden sign out front. It wasn't much for evangelism, I'll tell you. But by God's grace, this will not always be so. We will have a church that reaches up to the sky, a church that draws people in from the outside and also from the inside, because this church does draw people when they come inside. So this move ultimately is not for ourselves. It may feel like that. What do we want? How do we want things to be? What kind of structures do we want? What do I want for my children? The move is not about us. The move is about the continued evangelization that began at the time of the apostles, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This now continues. So we are looking to move for all the people that we don't even know. But God is putting a little light into their heart. He's having that conversation by the, the well, Jacob's well, with the Samaritan woman, with each and every person. Every person is having that conversation to greater and lesser degrees, in different ways. Sometimes our Lord's voice is very obscured and it's just through the actions of a person's life. But nonetheless, God is having that conversation. And so as we have seen over the years of this parish and will continue to see, people just walk in. They just come in. They're drawn. So we as a church need to have a place that is of beauty, that is fitting for God himself. There are two times in the liturgy where we say, Lord, sanctify those who love the beauty of your house. We said it once in the antiphons, and we'll say it once in the final prayer of the liturgy, Lord, sanctify those who love the beauty of your house. Guess what? That means all of you were praying that you be sanctified. Why? Because you all should be those who love the beauty of the Lord's house. And that word beauty is ephrepian. So it's not just beauty, like kalos. It means a well-ordered beauty, a dignity. Everything of God's holy house is well-ordered. And the beauty is not just a beauty of things that are ephemeral, but it's a beauty of everything being ordered and in its right place. This is the beauty that we desire to produce 
here in this church. So as we continue forward as a parish, let us remember the Samaritan woman standing by the well, receiving God, and then being drawn towards him. We have this opportunity to do the same. As those people are drawn to God, we receive them with open arms. So may we have wisdom, may we have prayer, may we have patience, and patience with each other as well, that we may continue forward in this great and noble task which was began 25 years ago at this parish. Amen. Let us all say with all our soul and with all our mind, let us say, Lord, 